The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya. Tanakas, Fakata, Jag like Michael Waka, Polanco, and Franco. This is Shane Bieber's world, and we're just living in it. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on a Kokomo Friday, July 31st. Frank Stample here alongside Pocket Aces, Adam Azer. Welcome back to the show, and Scotty Dubs, Scott White. Guys, Shane Bieber is the best pitcher in baseball right now. Where is Chris when we need him on the show? Where's Can someone fire up Chris? What, what do you think he would say? You'd be like, well, guys, it's only a two-game sample. It's a very small <laughs> sample size. So, you know, look, would you still choose Fran Mel Reyes to lead baseball in home runs, Frank? And then I would say yes. And then you'd say, well, yeah, then I'm going to stick with my bold prediction as well. Okay. <laughs> Not bad. I think he would make a joke and he'd go, look, I've always loved Shane Bieber. I always drafted him. <laughs> it is only two games, but, man, he's pretty good. He is pretty good. These are these are two of the most convincing games you'll ever see. Now, in in two games, he has faced fifty batters. He has struck out twenty seven of them. More than half the batters he's faced, he's walked one of the fifty batters he's faced. And Easy matchup today. Only the Twins. Yeah, the <laughs> Twins. Eight <laughs> innings, thirteen strikeouts after having fourteen strikeouts last time. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I picked him. I picked him to win the AL Cy Young. And I have a ton of shares of Shane Bieber. So I, I am loving life right now, <laughs> unlike Chris, wherever he is. I, I mean, Chris, I guess he can, uh, he can hang his hat on Giancarlo Stanton and his 545 batting average so far. I no, guess. don't worry. We're going to get into Stanton a little bit later on. Shane Bieber against the Minnesota Twins Thursday night. Eight innings pitched, three hits, zero earned runs, zero walks, 13 strikeouts. His 27 strikeouts in the first two starts of the season is tied for the most in MLB history with who? Carl Spooner. Mm. Can't tell you anything about Carl Spooner, but uh, Shane Bieber, I don't think it's a hot take. I think he is pitching like the best pitcher in baseball right now. It is only two starts, so take it with a grain of salt. He was going to be my, oh my God, oh my goodness gracious player of the night, but I just figured I'd lead with Shane Bieber because he is he's the GOAT. He's the GOAT right now. All right, guys. Adam, you haven't been here yet for it. So why don't we get started with you? Oh my good goodness gracious! <laughs> Adam, who is your oh my goodness gracious player of the night? Uh, Starlin Castro, and he went four for five, double, two runs, and a strikeout. Maybe you guys could confirm this, but I don't think he has an RBI in seven games. It's one of those things that I was like, I looked it up, I double checked, and I still don't believe it's true. But Starlin Castro right now does not have an RBI, but he's batting 360 after a four for five day. The oh my goodness gracious with Starlin Castro. He's owned in 88% of leagues. And <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, people. I know he's coming off a great night, but I'm here to rain on your parade. He, had, he was great. Castro was great after the all-star break. 302 batting average, 16 home runs, 892 OPS. He's in a better ballpark. He's not that good of a player. I'm not buying it. I think that with all these pitchers that keep emerging on the waiver wire, if you don't need to start Starlin Castro, he should be the guy you drop to pick up one of those pitchers. But look, I mean, he's doing a nice job. I'm not saying he should be 30% owned, maybe more like 50 to 60%, but 88%. I just don't see why he should be like a 10-team league type player. That's wild to me. Uh, good day for him. I guess sell high is what I'm saying on Starlin Castro. 
He does not have an RBI yet, Adam, but yeah, better weird. days are likely ahead. Once Juan Soto joins this lineup, he's I would imagine Starlin Castro is probably going to remain in the middle of the lineup, and he has yeah. uh, dual position eligibility, which helps as well. So mm. I, yeah. you can try and sell him. I just I don't think you're going to really get anything for Starlin no, Castro I just, right now. I, I, look, he had a big day. I, I couldn't when I clicked on his name and I saw the the, the roster percentage of eighty eight percent. I was like, I'm what? curious how much that's changed because I I almost wonder how much we sh- our analysis should be driven by by uh, you know ownership percentages because there there's a lot of wackiness to them and and because of the way you know we were ramping up, we shut down, we ramped up again. But with a much smaller audience, how would that affect him? Though I, I don't, I, I don't know. But it I doesn't don't agree. make sense because nobody in our drafts was drafting him, right? Like I, I don't know what's going on with ownership percentages, frankly. But it's, I don't trust them. I don't trust right. them, and I don't trust that he's actually, you know, that widely owned because, like. How, how, like, are there a bunch of leagues out there that start 30 hitters and only five pitchers? It just, like, how, how, how are know. people fitting him on in their lineups? Maybe they really it's, buy into uh, the second half. It's not like you go and look at second base and third base eligible players and think, oh, this guy's, you know, ownership is ridiculously low. Yeah. I mean, so that, that's how people are getting Starling Castro on their rosters. He, I just, I don't know. Yes. If he's actually 88% owned, that's absurd. And, uh, yeah, you you have to corner the pitching. You have to corner the pitchers while they're still available because they're not all going to pan out. The ones who've gotten off to a good enough start that we're excited about picking them up, some of them are going to drop off and get dropped. But like, you need to give yourself a chance to actually, uh, you know, snag some of the success stories because that's going to be the bigger, the more impactful player for your team than you know, another decent hitting infielder would be. Yeah, I, I don't see why he would be owned in anything outside of Roto Leagues where you have a middle infielder and a corner infielder because in a head-to-head points league, you only start a second baseman, one third baseman, one utility. Shouldn't be owned there. Uh, head-to-head categories leagues are not dissimilar in terms of their lineup construction. So outside of Roto Leagues, I don't know that Charlie Castro should be owned. He's not even a great Roto player anyway. So Yeah, who's... Okay, so who... Fair point, Adam. We got... We, we don't have time to, we, here. We don't have to really like, you know, linger on this. I'm sorry. I didn't want to sidetrack the show. I looked, I just looked now. Like, I mean, I kind of get it because the, the people behind the second baseman behind him in, in ownership percentage are Tommy LaStella, Brandon Lau, Luisa Rice, Colton Wong, Rudnett Odor, Ryan McMahon, Gavin Lux, Cesar Hernandez, Robinson Cano, et cetera. You know, like there are really no players here and he's 15th in ownership percentage. So right. I, I I kind of get it, uh, but if but you are, our, yeah, our eighty eight percent of our leagues, the sort of leagues that required fifteen second basemen to be rostered, maybe Mike Mustakas goes on the IL and people pick up Starlin Castro. Uh, you know, but you know, yeah. the DJ Lemayhu was a question mark for opening day. But then there's three others after him who are more than eighty percent owned. So now we're up to eighteen. I don't know, man. I don't know either. All right. Anyway. Well, this is a lot of Starling Castro talk and a lot of position eligibility talk. Scott, <laughs> give us your, oh my goodness gracious, player of the net. All right. So, you know, the, there weren't the same electric performances we saw last night, uh, Wednesday night. But I'm going to go with Trevor Rosenthal here, kind of getting to the closer talk early because <laughs> he got the save this time for the Royals. Greg Holland, I believe, pitched the sixth. Ian Kennedy pitched the eighth and gave up a run. Greg Holland looked fine, but Ian Kennedy gave up a run. Uh, Rosenthal came in, pitched the ninth. He's throwing 100 again. Most encouraging to me in three appearances, he has yet to walk a guy. Like he's He fell off because he just could not find the strike zone anymore. And he's never been a good control pitcher, but you know, formerly... The closer for the Cardinals had back-to-back 45 save seasons and throws 100. Uh, Mike Matheny used to be his manager, right, Frank? I think you've made that point before. Correct. You know, I don't know that he's the guy now. I don't know that Matheny isn't going to continue to mix it up. But 
clubhouse leader now for Royal saves, I think would have to be Rosenthal. I would still put Holland second in that pecking order because Kennedy has not once been used, not once been uh, held to be in a position to get saves. He's always coming earlier. So yeah, I think I, I think Rosenthal, if you're looking for, if you're looking to continue chasing saves, it seems like we have two or three new targets emerging every night, but he's among them now. I feel like you guys have probably said this every single year and it might be hyperbolic, but like this year's closer carousel just seems crazier than ever before. Like it's always crazy. But again, like you said, Scott, it's every single night. We either have an injury or uh, someone randomly picking up a save. It's, it's been pretty crazy to start. Um, Scott, where would Trevor Rosenthal rank among this group? Nick Birdie, Anthony Bass, Oliver Drake, Trevor Gott. Where would you put Rosenthal among that group? Put him after Birdie. I would put him after Bass. I think he'd be next. I think I'd put him ahead of Oliver Drake. That's that's pretty close. But I like I don't have much confidence the Rays are ever going to settle on one guy. And I feel like the Royals probably will at some point, though they may not be ready to do that yet. Yeah, and then Trevor God just has Gabe Kapler as his manager. But uh, I don't disagree with that order that you had them in. So I think that's fair. Adam, um, for Rosenthal, you agree with that? Is I'd he- go Bass, Birdie, Rosenthal. Okay. And then uh, Drake and got after him. Um, my, yeah. oh my goodness gracious. Oh my good, goodness gracious. Player of the night uh, was, of course, it's got to be my guy. I, I don't know how much this is going to help people, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. But Max Freed is amazing. Max Freed is awesome. And if he continues to limit the walks like he's done the first couple of starts here, six and two-thirds innings pitch, one earned run, one walk, seven strikeouts against the Tampa Bay Rays Thursday night, 13 swinging strikes on 85 pitches. He was hitting 99, not consistently, but at times with his fastball throughout the start. The curveball and the slider are both great secondary pitches that he can go to. Uh, hasn't really been using the changeup as much as I thought he might heading into the season, but it really hasn't mattered. He has looked amazing. So uh, I think that the breakout is imminent for Max Freed. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he returns, I mean, at this point, top 20-ish starting pitcher value. Max Freed is awesome. That's all I have to say on that. Some news and notes. Mike Trout was placed on the paternity leave, and let's hope he's back by Monday. See? Pay attention to it. Uh, Rangers placed their closer, Jose Leclerc, on the 45-day injured list with a grade 2 strain in his right shoulder. Everything I'm seeing right now is that this is going to be a committee. Uh, It's worth noting that Nick Goody converted a save a few nights ago. Uh, Other names that could be involved include Jonathan Hernandez, Jesse Chavez, Edinson Volquez, blast from the past. Somebody I really like in the organization is Demarcus Evans, but I haven't heard anything or seen anything regarding Evans uh, potentially getting a call here. So, Scott, we just spoke about some, you know, fringy closers. Uh, Are you interested in anybody in this mix for the Rangers is it and if so, is it Nick Goody, or who might it be? Well, it's they're lower in priority than than like Rosenthal would be, and of course the two ahead of him that I ranked ahead of him, Birdie and Anthony Bass. I picked up Goody in several leagues last night. You know, I I in my five by five leagues, I intentionally shortchanged the closer position, and so I've been going heavily every night. I'm blowing through lots of fab dollars here in the early going, but I guess the sixty game season is a good time to do that. Um, yeah, I picked up Goody in several leagues last night, just kind of reflexively because he got the save, but Jonathan Hernandez has actually been the eighth inning guy and he throws very hard. He has a good slider. He's so unproven, like he's a rookie and he was mostly a starter in the minors. He's so unproven that I'm, I'm kind of my, my hunches, the Rangers would rather keep him in, you know, a lower pressure role. That's my hunch. So I, I, I'm giving the slight edge to Goody here, but it's it's very slight. It's almost 50-50. And, you know, I'm not even sure my hunch holds up to scrutiny because they made Hernandez the eighth inning guy right away. I mean, right? That's pretty high pressure role itself. So, yeah, I, uh, I'd try to get both if you can make space for them and you're desperate for saves because I'm not sure how it's going to play out. But I know... Leclerc's going to be gone for a long time, probably, possibly the rest of the season. 
You know, Frank, I just want to amend something. I, going back to the list we had earlier of closers, I would take Trevor Rosenthal second behind Anthony Bass and ahead of Nick Birdie because um, eventually Kella is going to come back. And, you know, we don't know when it could, it could be, it could be next week. So that's his job. Um, you sure Rosenthal, though? I don't know that it's guaranteed. I think if Birdie performs well, the guy has electric stuff at him. Yeah. I mean, the guy throws like I, near 100 miles per hour. I think it's Kella's job. I, I cannot, well, Kella's going to come back and be a setup man. Yeah, I, I mean that's that. that's the thing. Like, it's not like Kella has this long history as a closer. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of moved in and out that role, out of that role the last couple of years. Uh, I, yeah, I no, Frank brought this up that, the other day. I mean, Nick Birdie in the Twins organization was a closer of the future type, and then he had Tommy John. He had uh, uh, thoracic outlet syndrome. He just kept getting bumped by injuries. But I mean, the stuff is there, and I think. Yeah, I, I think if he proves to be reliable here in the early going, they may just stick with him there. Maybe not. Maybe not. I, yeah, maybe. Look, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that if they want to trade Kella, he's probably better off as a closer. You know, that would probably increase his trade value, although I'm sure people would trade for him if he was just a setup guy. But that possibility exists, obviously. I, I would think Kella would get the job, but okay, fair enough. Um, Daniel Hudson is probably, uh, if not yeah. one, to, if not ahead of Anthony Bass, he's right behind him. Look, I wasn't really buying Hudson. He's had a really lousy career, honestly, until going to the Nationals last year. And then he was really good for them. Uh, but he's right. And like I said, I still think Will Harris is the best pitcher in that bullpen. Harris is dealing with a bit of an injury. Uh, Doolittle looks, he might be done. That's how bad he looks. Or he might just be off to a slow start like a lot of guys are coming out of spring. But right now, it's very clear that Daniel Hudson is the closer for the Nationals. I you never know, right? But it, that's what it looks like. He's owning 15% of CBS leagues. He's the guy that I'd be going uh, after all the names that we've talked about right now. You know what? He might be number one for me. He might be even ahead of Birdie and Bass. and Because he could be the guy for the entire season. We don't know yeah. if Ken Giles is going to be back. And Rosenthal might be that guy for the Royals. We just don't know yet. It seems like they kind of have three arms in back there and Kennedy... Holland and Rosenthal that are all kind of similar, but Matheny has a history with him. But I, I yeah, I don't disagree uh, regarding Hudson. If you wanted to put him first on that list, Scott. Of course. Then there's also James Karinchak. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> threw his hat in the ring tonight with a <laughs> six pitch save. All of them strikes. Guy supposedly yeah. can't throw strikes, but insane strikeout rate in the minors last year. And uh, as we pointed out yesterday, Brad Hand's velocity has been down in the early going. He's yeah. toast. He had pitched two straight days, so keep that in yeah. mind. But Karen Jack, yeah, a scoreless inning with a strikeout. And he that's that's four scoreless innings so far with two walks and five strikeouts, I believe. Now, in terms of talent, I think he's has the most of any of these guys. Like, in terms of talent, I would go Karen Jack one, birdie two and like Rosenthal probably three but um yeah I mean I hand needed a day off clearly and and maybe that's all this was now if and stuff is not there then it's only a matter of time but I'm not looking at the save Karinczak got today and thinking okay Karinczak's the closer now however <laughs> like if if you wait until it happens, then you're going to end up having to pay a lot more fab to get him. You're going to have more competition for him. Or I don't know, maybe since he got the save, maybe the competition's already there. But yeah, he's he's clearly in the mix now. Uh, I've just, I think to me, it's pretty clear that he's not the closer quite yet. And maybe Hand could still pull it together. Last last closer note for me is Cole Sulser Cole is currently being used as the closer once again for the Orioles. And we're recording in, during the ending of this game, and he's got two on with one out in the ninth, but he did come on for the save for the Orioles. What happened? The Yankees blew I, the I, game? gave up a two-run homer. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Jonathan <laughs> oh Lasagna. Oh, my gracious. Oh, my. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Scott. Um James Karinczak, I saw an interesting tweet from Jeff Passan earlier in the night. Uh, he said, James Karinczak just pitched the ninth for Cleveland, and he's not going to be giving that spot up anytime soon. Among the best fastball curveball combos in baseball. A buddy of mine in Cleveland suggested a nickname, Special K, whatever, that doesn't matter. But 
it just got me thinking. I'm like, well, Jeff Passan knows baseball more than anyone. Why would he say that Karen Chag is the guy in the ninth inning? Uh, it's just, look, if you own Brad Hand, get, get Karen Chag on your team. Karen Chag is 16% owned on CBS. Let's just put a bow on the whole closer reliever conversation here, Scott. Hudson, Karen Chag, the Rangers guys, Birdie, Bass, who am I missing? Rosenthal. Give me your top three from that list that you have to own right now. If you need saves in a roto or roto league or a head-to-head categories league. Okay, I'm going to go with my top three. I'm going to say Daniel Hudson. I'm going to say Nick Birdie. And then I'm going to say James Karinczak. I don't think I don't think the Indians are going to play games with Karinchak in hand. If I'm wrong and it's Karinchak's job already, then 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 great. He should probably be number one. But you know, even if even if it is hands for now, um, you know, if if Karinchak were to overtake him at some point, then there wouldn't be this back and forth like we're seeing with the Royals and and so many of these other teams. Yeah, you saw it, Frank. <laughs> Of all the dramatic things I've ever seen. Aaron Judge just hit a three-run home run in the top of the ninth inning. All right, that's it for your Yankees updates. I'm sorry. So much for Solcer. Yeah, Yeah, so much for Cole Solcer. Last (laughs) night, by the way, with the Mariners, uh, Dan Altavia picked up the save for the Mariners there. And I believe... Who was the gentleman? Taylor Williams. He pitched earlier I in that do. game. I cannot keep up with this anymore. It is like <laughs> closer roulette. It is ridiculous. And and uh, I think you should really try to just focus on good pitchers. It, it, they don't even have to be on good teams necessarily. But don't go chasing waterfalls. Pitchers. Waterfalls. <laughs> yeah, don't go chasing waterfalls. And don't go chasing lousy pitchers who got the save today and are going to be bad. Like, honestly, I don't have much faith in, in Greg Holland. But I do have more faith in Trevor Rosenthal. Um, <laughs> When's the last so. time we said that? We have faith in Trevor Rosenthal. All right, let's run through the rest of these notes. Jeff Passan of ESPN reports that Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association have agreed to stage seven-inning doubleheaders starting August 1st. For this season only, uh, it will help teams like the Miami Marlins and the Philadelphia Phillies hopefully complete their schedule. Speaking of which, two Philly staffers tested positive on Thursday morning, I believe it was. And as a result, the Blue Jays and the Phillies series this weekend has been postponed. Yesterday, we told you that it might not be long before Joey Bart is with the Giants. And then today we found out he was taking ground balls at first base at the Giants Giants alternate training site. Um, Scott, just give me a number here. Where does he rank on the stash-o-meter? One to 10. Let's say Mackenzie Gore and Gavin Lux represent a 10 in this case. Where would you put Joey Bart on that meter? Gavin Lux and who represent a 10? Dylan Carlson? Uh, Gavin Lux and Mackenzie Gore. But if, Mackenzie if Gore. Carlson, you believe, is a better stash than... I mean, there's a low threshold for a 10 if those two are a 10. Yeah. Because uh, they're not rostered everywhere. But um, I would say if those two are a 10, Bart is... I don't know. Eight or nine? Uh, yeah. I, but that makes it... All right, I think we need to recalibrate this meter because I don't. <laughs> I don't think there. I don't think. I, I, I don't, don't think anybody in like a league with a head-to-head size lineup needs to be stashing Gavin Lux, right? Yeah, it's just larger roto lineups, larger leagues. You know, more than three hundred fifty players rostered. Then you're stashing Gavin Lux. Then you're. You're certainly stashing Dylan Carlson. You're probably stashing Joey Bart too, because we may very well be talking about a two-catcher league in that case. But you know, small head-to-head size lineup league where every team starts just one catcher, where only twelve catchers are rostered. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in a big hurry to grab Bart. I'm not. It's it's a lot of hearsay right now. This idea that he's coming up too. It's worth pointing out. Andrew Baggerly, one of the Giants beat writers, brought it up. Um, but it would be like Buster Posey was was rushed to the big leagues at a historic clip for a catcher, how quickly they brought him up. And Joey Bart has gotten nowhere near the experience even Buster Posey had in the minors because of injuries and whatever else. So it would be 
it would still be kind of surprising to me if that actually happened. Well, if you're not excited about Joey Bart, maybe you'll be excited about Dalton Varsho, who was called up by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Manager Tori Lavulo says that Varsho will come off the bench for now, doing some catching and or being used at all three outfield spots. Just a very interesting player, a catcher and someone who can play all three outfield spots. Uh, last season in Double A, he hit 301 with an 899 OPS, 18 home runs, and wait for it, 21 steals for Dalton Varsho. What are we yeah. doing with this, Scott? I don't know. It's not weird. Much. I don't Definitely know if he's going to play two catcher leagues. Probably not otherwise. Right. Like this is something we talked about in the preseason in one catcher leagues. You know, assuming a normal size, 12 teams, 10 teams, something like that. You just, you don't have to go that deep into the catcher pool. And there's already enough proven options to go around, especially since Christian Vasquez is tied for the major league lead in home runs. Like he's living up to what he did last year. Danny Jansen's off to a good start. Uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa looks like he deserves to be a starter in fantasy. Like there's just, don't know what playing time Varsha's looking at. And yeah, you know, we don't know if he's going to be good right away. So I, I'm not in in a typical league wherever there's it, it, where it's only one catcher and there's enough to go around. Like I, I think these guys actually have to wow me before I'm replacing my starter, you know, unless I just think I got a total dud. But uh, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't think many people are in that position right now. Royals pitching prospect. Not sure how to say this gentleman's name. I should have looked this up. Not a, not a professional. That's me right here. Uh, Chris Bubis will go with is being called up for it's, their start. It's Bubich. Bubich. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he is being called up for their start on Friday. The the Royals have been very aggressive with their prospects. Brady Singer first, and now Bubich. Um, and he has yet to pitch ab- above high A ball. Uh, he has been great in thirty six minor league starts, two five nine ERA, one oh eight whip, two hundred and thirty eight strikeouts, and one hundred and eighty seven and a third innings pitched. Scott, how aggressive are you being with Bubich, if at all? Not at all. Making Not the jump all. from A ball. Yeah, it's it's uh, tough. Yeah, it's look, he had interesting numbers in the minors last year. He was pitching an A ball, but 223 ERA, 0.97 whip, 11.1 K per nine. I think it's a changeup that's kind of a ridiculous pitch for me. He has, he has one off speed pitch that really stands out above the rest. And, uh, but I don't, uh, that, that's a big leap to make for a guy who's not even a top 100 prospect. And, uh, I'm not ruling out the chance he makes an impact this year, but it's it's another case where I need to see it first before I'm making a move, unless it's an especially deep league. Our email of the day comes from Andrew. Hi, Corey, Roberto, Anthony, and Gary. I don't like being on the other side of these where I don't get to read them. I have to guess. Corey, what is it? Corey, Roberto, Anthony, and Gary? Yes. I have no idea. I mean, most people are not going to get it right off the top. But the gentleman who sent us the email actually gave me the answers. Gave us the answers. You could have known it, Adam. Uh, But they are bad Padres trades. Corey Kluber, Anthony Rizzo, Roberto Alomar, and Gary Sheffield. I was wondering how much you trust Garrett Richards given his upcoming schedule. His next projected five starts, which... Look, everything can is subject to change right now in MLB. At Colorado versus the Dodgers, at the Dodgers, at the Arizona Diamondbacks versus the Houston Astros. His first start, five innings pitched, one hit, zero earned runs, three walks, six Ks. Uh, Adam, Garrett Richards was someone that we were touting and telling people to pick up, but, I mean, what do you do with an upcoming schedule like this? Do you just see how he performs and leave him on your bench for now? I don't think you're starting him in those starts. Well, this is a really good email. Uh, so let's say he does make these next starts. You're not starting him at Colorado. Likely, he's not going to pitch well at Colorado. So coming off a bad start at the Rockies, are you going to start Garrett Richards at home against the Dodgers? Probably not. And you're only going to start him the next time out at the Dodgers if he did well the first time against the Dodgers. So you might not be starting him at least for two starts, certainly for one. It's hard. It's really hard for me to be like, well, don't pick him up then. But you could try to trade him. But of course, everything can just change so quickly in terms of schedule. The real question is how much do you believe in him in general? And I think we we believe in him. He's never been a great strikeout pitcher, but uh, he's been a really solid starting pitcher. 
So um, I think he's worth rostering, even with these terrible matchups. But it's a really good email, and maybe a time to try to throw him in a trade, a two-for-one trade or something, and upgrade to an ace with, you know, Ross Stripling and Garrett Richards for Jose Barrios or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think that's, you know, something you should look into. Uh, again, look, he looked great in his first start. He was throwing mid-90s. The slider is, you know, a wipeout pitch. He does struggle with command at times, but a 15% swinging strike rate in that first start for Garrett Richards. But, you know, some tough some tough matchups coming up here. Uh, I agree. Look, if you can sell high on him, he's only 47% rostered in CBS. Um, you should look into doing it. I just... I don't know how realistic it is, but if you have depth, then maybe you should try one of those uh, classic Frank two-for-one trades, or I think before I got here, it was known as an Azer, Azer trade. <laughs> no, an Azer trade is a ripoff. That, that would be a, <laughs> a fairly fair trade, uh, so not quite an Azer trade. Too, too even to be an Azer trade, Frank. I, I'm only interested in trading Starling Castro and Garrett Richards who have no trade value. Right. Yeah. That's, that's an Azer, Azer trade. trades. Um. All right, so he's a sell-high candidate. Uh, we have some other potential trade candidates. Look, it's never too early to trade. We said this the other day. I don't. I, it's not too early, guys. So let's look at some buy-low, some sell-high candidates. I'll throw some names out there to you. Um, and if you guys have any names that you want to offer up, feel free. The pitchers that really stood out to me as, as buy-low options. Charlie Morton, Aaron Nola, and Jose Barrios. Barrios on Thursday night. Five innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts against Cleveland. And his velocity continues to remain up. He's, he's probably the pitcher on this list that I'm most interested in. Jose Barrios, Morton, and Nola. What do you think, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no concerns about Barrios. I thought, to me, this start today eliminated whatever concerns... Uh, if I was inclined to be concerned about the first start, that would be gone based on the way he performed in the second start. Obviously took the loss because he was going up against Shane Bieber. So maybe if somebody's just looking at point total, they're not feeling great about uh, Jose Barrios at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I still have confidence in all three of those guys. The only one that uh, slipped a little is Charlie Morton because the velocity's down. But like we talked about yesterday, you know, it, it seems to be improving, and he probably has enough stuff to get by, even if it doesn't get all the way back. He'll, he'll probably still be pretty good. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu, I would add to this list, since he's actually had two bad starts here to open the season, I think he'd, he'd be a much easier get. And I don't really have any concerns about him. He was, in his second start, his fastball was down a couple miles per hour from a year ago. You know, it was better in the first start. To me, that's just, that's probably just some of the variance you see during any season. And I'm not sure it matters for him anyway, because he's normally a 90 mile per hour guy. He's, that's not really his game. So, uh, you know, ground balls, control. He didn't have much control in his first start. It was better in this one, but he gave up a bunch of hits, which happens sometimes with ground ball pitchers. I don't, I don't think there's really anything wrong with Hyunjin Ryu. So he seems like a great buy-low candidate. You know, Adam, I'll admit that it hasn't been the greatest start for your boy over here, specifically for some of the pitchers that I was targeting. Matt Boyd um, yesterday made a start and against the Royals. It seemed like a golden opportunity for him, but he allowed four earned runs, nine hits. No walks is good. Six strikeouts is solid. Would you be looking to buy-low on Matthew Boyd right now, Adam? Not really, but I was not really in on Matthew Boyd um, to begin with. I just look, I'm, if I'm going to buy low on somebody, it's going to be somebody like Barrios, who has a proven track record and two starts means nothing. Boyd has a half a season of a track record. I know you like you like him a lot more than I do. So that's that's, you know, that's just the difference here. But um, I, I, no, suspect, I, don't know. I don't really like him that much. I suspect Boyd is one bad start or maybe just meh start away from getting dropped in the average fantasy league. And so I'm waiting to to pick him up if he gets dropped. Like, I feel like that's the more likely way I'm going to end up with them. Partially because I'm not willing to give up that much for him in a trade. You know, if I have a, an extra outfielder or something that I'm probably not going to use, I'll, I'll always, I'll always trade a spare hitter for a spare pitcher. Especially I have a question one who I think has upside for but, Frank. Yeah, uh, you gave Morton, Nola, and Barrios. How many of them do you still prefer to Max Freed? 
So if I offered you any of those guys for your Max Freed, would you pull the trigger? Mm. Morton, Nola, and Barrios. Yeah, I would. I would still take all three ahead of Freed. All right, good. Yeah, look, it's only two starts. You know, I don't want to go ahead and change up my rankings too much. I was very high on Freed. I had him ranked inside my top thirty starting pitchers, but I mean, these are all guys that I had ranked. In, I had Morton Nola ranked inside my top twenty, and then Berrios was you know just outside the top twenty. So I haven't adjusted things too far yet. I like Freed quite a bit, but I'm not doing that yet. So don't get any ideas out of Freed. <laughs> Freed was hitting ninety nine today. Yeah, no, he's he's awesome, and he threw a slider. About as much as he threw the curveball. You know, we were talking about him. He was a two-pitch pitcher last year, right? Yeah. Basically. Uh, it seems like he's a three-pitch pitcher now. He's got two breaking balls instead of one. And the slider is actually getting more whiffs than the curveball so far. So that's kind of that's kind of how things developed with Shane Bieber, too. Uh, last year, he added a curveball to the slider. I guess Freed's done the opposite. But, you know, now it's to the point where Bieber's curveball might actually be better than his slider. So it's 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 encouraging stuff here from Max Freed early on. A couple of hitters that stood out to me as potential buy low targets. Will Smith, the catcher for the Dodgers, was batting .091 entering Thursday night. His expected batting average was .294 according to Statcast. Xander Bogarts has a .167 BABIP with a 69% hard contact rate. Miguel Sano is one for 17 to start the season with eight strikeouts, zero walks. Fran Mil Reyes was batting 167 entering tonight with a 64% ground ball rate. Not excited about that as an uh, advocate of Fran Mil Reyes. Jorge Soler was making a ton of hard contact. He actually picked up a couple of hits tonight, uh, three hits actually, uh, and, a, and a massive 27% line drive rate. And then Vlad Guerrero Jr. So Will Smith, Bogarts, Sano, Reyes, Soler, Vlad, Adam. Which one are you? Which one do you have the most confidence in bouncing back after their early season struggles? No surprise, it's Bogarts. Uh, he's a stud. Um, you know, Sano is a roller. It's a roller coaster with him. You remember he had COVID. Uh, he's a big strikeout guy, so he's off to a slow start. He's probably going to get really hot at some point, and I expect him to be a streaky hitter. So yeah, you could buy low, but all, but also like there is a really low floor for Miguel Sano. He's been unusable at times, so keep that in mind. Uh, I don't agree on Will Smith right now just because he's not playing enough. And uh, I think if you have an opportunity to buy low, it's not even a buy low, but to buy a guy like JT Real Muto, I just think, and, and maybe we call Gary Sanchez a buy low because that guy, I don't think he has a hit in five games. I don't think he got a hit tonight. He's totally lost right now. But the catchers that are that are going to play a lot are going to have a big edge this year, I think. It's a little disappointing, like with Francisco Mejia, with Will Smith, these guys that were hoping to break out. I think Carson Kelly as well. Um, they're just not playing that much. So, you know, the, the catchers that are that are like Real Muto is going to play all the time, they can have just a huge edge this season. And the managers don't have to save them for the long haul. Uh, so I don't agree on Will Smith just because of that. Reyes, I'm sure he'll stop being such a ground ball hitter. Solaire had a nice night tonight. Yeah, I can't sit here and say buy low on Vlad. I'm worried about Vlad. Doesn't have a track record. Like how, how can you not be? And just while we're at it, I wouldn't buy low on Edwin Encarnacion. As another guy that I was watching, he's a terribly slow starter now, year after year after year. So when I see Edwin Encarnacion off to a terribly slow start, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, he's going to turn it around. He might, but that might be in a month or a month and a half. Uh, so I know he wasn't on your list, but I just want to throw that out there. But yeah, <laughs> Vlad... Like, what do we have to fall back on right now with Vlad? I, I can't do it. You know, if you can you can trade, I don't know, Starlin Castro, <laughs> yeah, like, go for it. But I'm Hashtag not giving up Asia anything trade. that I love for Vlad. Sorry to say it. Yeah, I'll say this about Vlad, too. He's hitting a lot of ground balls, something we've talked about. He is making hard contact. Charlie Montoyo uh, said this after today's game. He's batting 172 to start the season. That's Vlad Guerrero Jr. We're talking about seven games. He's struggling right now. Well... Thanks for that, Charlie Montoyo. And honestly, look, I'm not going to body shame anybody here, but Vlad just he does not look in shape, man. Like he's mm-hmm. he, he's out of shape. And and we heard reports in spring training that he looked to be in in better shape. I look, maybe it was during the pandemic. Um, but I, look, the guy is not 
in great shape. Um, Scott, any of these hitters excite you, or or the, is there any other player that you just have in mind that you would you'd be trying to buy low on this early in the season? Any hitter that I believed in coming into the season. <laughs> How about any <laughs> first round pick, with the exception of maybe Vlad, Yelich, Acuna? They all stink right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those. If you can get one of them, if you can buy low on either of them, that's a miracle. <laughs> yeah, it's a miracle, and. Um, Really, anyone? Honestly, I'd. It, it, you have to legitimately be buying low. That's the key to a buy low deal. But uh, are there any slow starters that you're actually worried about, like my Encarnacion and Vlad? I guess. I, I mean Vlad because he's he's still just hitting the ball into the ground, and his breakthrough was contingent on him not doing that anymore. I worry a little about the extreme extremely volatile guys like Miguel Sano like Framil Reyes uh just is there going to be enough time for them to right the ship uh you know full length season you could probably say yes in a two month season you can't be so sure and you know they're doing pretty awful right now but you know anybody could any of these guys could have a four hit game tomorrow and suddenly the picture looks very different so that's that's something you have to you just have to have that perspective and uh yeah i'm 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 not that worried about anybody who i believed in in the first place all right so let me give you guys two more two that i'm kind of monitoring right now marcus simeon and josh bell the two of them have combined for two walks and 13 strikeouts and plate discipline for simeon was huge for him last year it was what made him a just a breakout um and bell I mean, I don't even think he has an extra base hit. He's he doesn't. He does right six for twenty five right now. Oh no, that's Simeon. Sorry, Bell is uh, four for twenty three. No extra base hits. But but again, two walks, thirteen strikeouts between the two of them. Are you concerned about them, or would you consider Simeon and Bell by lows? I think if you're concerned about them, you should try not to be. Like that's I I have a lot of shares of both, and. I look at what Bell's doing in my lineups and I'm like, okay, he'll be better next week. That's that's kind of how I'm approaching it. I'm not really reading more into it than that. In fact, Roto World uh, put out a player update for him yesterday and showed that he got off to the same kind of start last year and then was looking like an MVP candidate at the All-Star break. So, yeah, I, it's just too small of a sample size to mean anything. And you're just you're it, it kind of becomes confirmation bias at that point. Oh, I had some concerns about Bell coming in and he's off to a slow start. So therefore, those concerns have been realized. Well, no, he's he's only played five or six games. That's that's mainly what it is. Uh, yeah, I know. I know at some point we're going to have to have a quick hook with these guys in a season that's so short. But I, I think this is still way too early. Yeah, I'm not really concerned about either one of them, but. If I had to choose one, it, it would be Josh Bell. Just a little bit more concerned because the lineup construction around him is just, it's not great. When you're talking about, I think Adam Frazier was batting third the other day for this lineup. Colin Moran hitting right in the middle there. Outside of Brian Reynolds, who is someone I like, this is not a great Pittsburgh Pirates lineup. So I worry more so about him, but not really about either one as of now. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, quickly remind you that... You should be watching CBS Sports HQ. It's free. We have sports coverage 24 hours a day. Fantasy, wagering, you name it. They cover it. You can download the app anywhere. I watch it on my Xbox all the time. And you can find us all. We can, you can find us on your favorite podcasting platforms, but specifically Spotify and Stitcher. We appreciate your support. All right, when we come back, we have some sell-high candidates here on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe 
you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. We're back here and we have some potential sell-high candidates. Let's find out right now from the guys. Christian Vasquez had a double dong last night. He now has four home runs, which is tied for the league lead. Joey Votto is off to a blistering start. I believe he's the second Highest scoring first baseman in points leagues right now. Dansby Swanson. Look, don't sell high on Dansby Swanson unless you're getting some like you're getting some crazy in return. I I love Dansby Swanson. John Carlos Stanton, Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn. These are all names that are off to blistering starts. Adam, we'll go to you first. <laughs> Would you be trying to sell any of these names right now? Stanton. I try to sell John Carlos Stanton. I just don't trust him to stay healthy. Uh he he was hurt. He was hurt going into the, you know, regular season, start of the season. And then like three months later, he's not even able to play the field. Are you kidding me? So I don't trust him to stay healthy. And, you know, he's he's probably a really good hitter. <laughs> but but I guess I'm not as convinced as Chris. So I'd be looking to sell him. I got to say that I just feel like I'm wrong about Sonny Gray and I'm willing to accept that. I didn't draft him at all, but. You know, I just didn't buy the strikeouts, but I, I just, you got to buy in at this point, I'd say. Um, other than that, yeah, look, Vado, Swanson, if you can turn them into something great, do it, especially Vado. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm encouraged by what we've seen from Vado. I think, you know, he could have a nice bounce back, particularly in a head to head points league. In a five by five Roto league, I don't really see Vado having a great year. But in a points league, I could see him sneakily being like a top five first baseman, which wouldn't wouldn't shock me. Um, and uh, Vasquez is going to play a lot at catcher, which helps. I talked about that earlier. Um, he's a sell high, but only if you can get like a top five catcher. So you wouldn't trade him for Will Smith? No. No, you wouldn't do that right now. All right, because no. I, think, I think we all had Will Smith ranked ahead of Vasquez coming into the season. Um, Scott, you agree with that? You wouldn't you wouldn't trade Vasquez for Will Smith right now? No, I wouldn't because there are questions about Will Smith's playing time, and you know, I I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, Vasquez's hot start matters to the extent that, like, I I I I didn't know if he'd just be a total dud this year because it was such an outlier what he had last year, and you know, I don't think he's going to finish as the number one catcher this year, but I I think he's going to be. I think he's shown with four home runs already that he's going to be fine. He's going to be a fine starter for you. So, uh, yeah, I have more confidence in him than Will Smith at this point. Uh, among sell high types, like anybody you picked up off the waiver wire, which could be Votto, it could be Swanson. Yeah, you can, you can float them out there. Like I, I don't think either is a total mirage. I think more likely than not, they are going to fade and become fringy, fantasy types more likely than not but there there is certainly a path for both to become impact players in fantasy too so you have to sell high if you are going to sell high like a swanson for marcus Simeon trade if you can pull off that kind of magic yes i think that's i think that's almost a remedial fantasy take at this point i think the people listening you know, are, are savvy enough to know that for themselves, but just in case they're not, that that would be great if you could do that. Swanson, I think, is leading the majors in RBI right now, or at least he was at the end of that game earlier today. But you know, obviously, he's not going to in the end. But would you trade Corey Seager for Marcus Simeon? Would you sell high on, on Corey Seager? Where are you putting him in your rankings? No, there's yeah, that's, no chance. That's, uh, that's a fair question. I'm, I'm going to leave him behind Simeon for now, but we've seen we've seen Seeger meet his upside basically his first two years in the majors and he was a stud so, yeah but he was he was like a 25ish homer guy yeah so, different landscape different i landscape. guess so i 
I mean, I think that you could sell high on Seager, but you'd have to get like people, if, you know, you couldn't do this in a Roto League, but in a points league, I'd still take Trey Turner over him. Um, sure. uh, and people don't realize Turner's value in that form, but I don't like see. I mean, Seager could be a top five shortstop. I would take him he over. Mach- I take him over Machado, Frank. It, 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 Machado's it's, off to a good start, but I'd take Seager over him. I, I don't think that's a terrible take at this point. Seager looks great, man, and we've talked about how the the level of contact that he's making right now, and you know, entering today's games, I think he had 15 batted balls over. 95 mile per hour exit velocity, and then he went out and hit a home run against Robbie Ray. So off of a lefty as well. Not that Robbie Ray is anything. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Robbie Ray. (laughs) But Corey Seager looks, uh, look, if I own Seager right now and someone offered me Marcus Simeon, I I would not accept a trade, but that's just me. Uh, Scott, two two names that we're getting a lot of questions about right now, Kyle Lewis and Nate Pearson. What would you set their trade value at right now? Something we do talk a lot about is uh, when prospects first get called up, their value might not ever be higher than at that point. And then obviously Pearson went out and had a great first start. So where would you set the trade value for Kyle Lewis and Nate Pearson? Yeah, especially because he had a great debut and I was especially confident in him going into that debut. I'm not sure that's true in Pearson's case. I think he could... We could, you know, he could have the kind of year Chris Paddock did last year, and then obviously his value goes up. Uh, he was my rookie of the year pick for the AL, so I'd, I'd be less inclined to say that for him. I'd want, I'd want, uh, I'm trying, like, would I even trade him for Matthew Boyd at this point? I'm not sure I would. I'm not sure I would. So the trade value is pretty high there. Kyle Lewis, like, I don't, I still don't have a lot of confidence in Lewis. He just strikes out so much, even though he's, he, I mean, he, it's mostly batting. Like he's hit a couple home runs, but he has a ton of singles too. And like, that's not going to continue if he's striking out more than a third of the time. Like it's just the math, the math, it does not compute. Okay. What, what Kyle Lewis is doing now, what he did at the end of last year too. It's, it's all going to fall apart at some point. So whatever you can get for him, I'm fine with, because I don't think he's going to be rosterable all season long. I, in a five outfielder league, I wouldn't just trade him for the sake of trading him. I, I think there is some value in Kyle Lewis in a five outfielder league. But if you play in a points league and you just picked him up and you can get a top 30, a top 40 outfielder in return that we had entering the season, someone asked me today, uh, should I trade Kyle Lewis for Fran Mil Reyes? I would, I would make that deal. I still have a lot of confidence in, in Fran Mil Reyes. So uh, that's an example of one that you can try to pull off right now. Uh, next week, Scott, I know that you're in charge of the pitching and hitting planner on cbssports.com. What are we looking at? And then this is, I understand it's subject to change, but in oh, terms yeah. of some sleeper pitchers, some sleeper hitters, matchups to watch, what, what do you got your eye on for week? T- I don't even know if it's week two. Whatever week starts on August 3rd. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of great two-star pitchers this week, this upcoming week, provided no games get canceled. And rotations don't get reshuffled tremendously. There are great two-star pitchers. So many must-start options that, you know, you might have to stretch a little more if you don't have a ton of them yourself. Uh, You you know, somebody like Rich Hill is theoretically still widely available, and his matchups are Pittsburgh and Kansas City this week. So, you know, we've been hyping Rich Hill all along. I'm sure everybody listening has made sure what Rich Hill is rostered in their league, but you know, the data says otherwise, so pick up Rich Hill. Nate Pearson has a two-star week coming up. Zach Plesak does. A lot of the guys we've been hyping off the wave for are Steven Matz, who wasn't as good today, but was good enough that with one of those matchups being against the Marlins, presuming they're back to playing next week, Steven Matz looks good for a two-star week. Brady can Singer. I, can I can I get in there, though, Scott, like with Pearson? Mm-hmm. Um, he's First of all, he's at Atlanta and at Boston. Yeah. So I'm not sure I'm ready for that. <laughs> uh, I'm not ready for that commitment yet. But also, the Blue Jays are are they good to go? I know they're canceling their weekend series with the Phillies. So yeah. this is part wonder- of that. I know, but I'm wondering if that changes their rotation. Or like, how confident are you that they stay? Is this reflected in that him being a two star pitcher that they stay on turn, or you know they could skip some guys? And I don't know how that's gonna. I don't know how that's gonna factor. It might I, not mean anything. I will- I will double check that, but 
I I think he'd be one of the other than Hyunjin Ryu and maybe Matt Shoemaker, he'd be one of the ones they'd be least likely want to skip, to, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll double check that before I publish the article. Thanks. But you're okay with him out. in those matchups? Yeah. Atlanta I, and Boston? I, I would be. Yeah. I, I think he's talented enough that I. <laughs> that matters more to me than the matchups. Like I'd rather have him going again at Atlanta and at Boston than, you know, Daniel Ponce de Leon at Detroit and versus the Cubs, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and I'd rather have him than Steven Matz potentially getting one matchup against the Marlins there in his two start week. Brady Singer pitched today. We didn't get a chance to talk about him yet. He looked, he looked more like the pitch to contact guy. He was in the minors, but it was weak contact and he was okay. He has a two-star week coming up. I'd be fine. You know, even one of those matchups against the Twins, but I think among the two-star options who are available, and he's available in like two-thirds of leagues still, he is still among the more attractive ones. Uh, let's get into some hitter stuff because I don't know how much time we have left. Uh, best hitter matchups this week. The Rockies have four games at home. They're number one. The Twins, number two. Cubs, three. Angels four, Mariners five. The Giants aren't in the top five, but they're the uh, they're the team the Rockies are facing for those four games at Coors Field, so they they have decent matchups too. Uh, worst matchups, I have the Orioles. The Orioles are scheduled to play only four games this week. I don't I don't know what? how how exactly that happened. I don't know what kind of cancellations maybe contributed to that, but they're they're only playing four games this week. And it's against one's against the Yankees, threes against the Nationals. So yeah, don't start any Orioles. You won it anyway, I guess. <laughs> uh, second worst is the Yankees. Third worst Red Sox. Fourth Reds and fifth Padres. Now, do we know how many lefties the uh, Rockies are playing? Can we finally get Garrett Hampson in there, guys? Garrett Hampson did play yesterday against. I believe against it was righty. Frankie Montas. Yeah. Yeah, three. I have them down for three lefties in their seven games. All right, That's, that can help Garrett Hampson. That he plays yeah. against lefties. I I made it sound like he doesn't. But it he, would have to be a large roto lineup. It would have to be. I really, really need steals. Otherwise, or they could not. just like wise up and play him more. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Adam, it's I'm, the Rockies. <laughs> I'm not counting on that at this point, but no. Yeah, that's that's not going to happen. Um, guys, I know you wanted to highlight just uh, of all the bullpen things that we mentioned tonight, we didn't talk about Edwin Diaz, who came in the ninth inning, walked Verdugo, allowed a hit to Michael Chavis, walked Andrew Benintendi, and then struck out Devers, hit by pitch to Jose Peraza, which allowed Alex Verdugo to score, and then he was uh, he was pulled from the game. So Edwin yeah. Diaz now... The fake fans, boo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they're playing that in City Field, but they probably should. Uh, it's now, I believe he's made three appearances, two of which have been less than stellar for Edwin Diaz. So, Well, he allowed he allowed a solo home run in one, took the loss. That was the only problem with it, and it wasn't on the slider, and everybody seemed like, okay, this is not a big deal. He can't do this. He can't do this when he already has a tenuous grasp on the closer role when Seth Lugo is awesome, when, uh, you know, they, they have other closer alternatives there too. Like you can't, you can't be having a 35 pitch inning where you are unable to, uh, to keep the lead right where it is. Uh, I, I think, no, no, he I was, think the, rolls, he, he, they were trailing. Were they trailing? They, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. That, oh, keep what the, I meant right. is the, okay. the yeah, score yeah, yeah. right where it is. Yeah. Not it's the a non-save situation. We should point that out. And right. a lot of times these closers, don't do well in those situations. And Scott, I like, I don't know that they have a replacement for him unless they go to Lugo. And I've been saying, I don't think they would want to do that because he, he's so valuable in the two innings at a time or an inning in two thirds, you know, and Batances is throwing like 93 miles per hour. I actually think Familia, Familia is a yeah. sleeper here. He's had four appearances. One's been really bad. So his ERA is high. But three of his four appearances have been scoreless. Um, I think Familia is a sleeper here, but Diaz is still throwing like a hundred miles per hour. Not yeah, I mean four- it was last year too. He was yeah. the stuff. Yeah, I, it's 
Like, I, I understand they may not want to move Seth Lugo, Lugo into the closer role, but what they want to do even less than that is lose games. And this could, I, I don't know. I don't know. This was an ugly adding from a guy yeah. who could ill afford one. And uh, I'm not saying they should replace Diaz at this point, but I, I, don't, I don't have confidence that they won't at least experiment based on this. Yeah, I'll, the last thing I'll add regarding Batances is, yes, the velocity is down. He's averaging 94 miles per hour on his fastball. He's been 97 in his career. He's still getting a lot of swinging strikes. Mind you, it's only he's only pitched two innings, so it's not much. But 13.9% swinging strike rate, that's exactly his career mark. So I'm. it might be familiar, but I'm not, I'm not doubting Dylan Batances either. Guys, let's answer a few questions here. Uh, a few of these came in from our Apple Podcast Reviews. Continue to send those in. We really appreciate those guys. Uh, this one's from Aaron A3. Should I drop Aaron Hicks for Mark Canna? Yes. All right. Well, that was fast. Uh, this one's from Paul. Dear Carl, Ty, Elihu, and Al. Uh, Carl, that sounds like Caddyshack. Well, Carl and Ty. Yes, these are these are from Caddyshack. Okay. I'm not even going to say what I was about to say. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't seen Caddyshack. Uh, I spend a lot of my time driving around the great state of Montana for work. I don't know if you have e- ever been to Montana, but it's a long drive to anywhere. Listening to you guys banter back and forth keeps me focused while I'm on the road. I'm hoping that you could take a moment to discuss who you believe has the best hair beard in the sport. As a Twins fan, I nominate Sergio Romo. Oh, it's the it's the combination of Dustin May's hair and Justin Turner's beard. They are just like a big orange thing. <laughs> they're they're like that mascot in hockey. What's that guy's name? He's just like I a, don't know. He's just like a big I, ball of orange hair. <laughs> that I want to see. Is it the Flyers mascot? Is that who? It I, is? I think that is. I think that gritty. Yeah, gritty. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see this. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say Justin Turner is a good one. Bryce Harper. I am not afraid to say that Bryce Harper is a handsome man, and he has great hair, and he has a great beard. And I also happen to be a huge fan of Bryce Harper. So. I have a great story about Bryce Harper. I was uh, I saw him once at a golf course in Las Vegas, and I was like, hey, that's Bryce Harper to my friends. And that was it. That was the story. That was it? Yeah. <laughs> I think you were going to say you, you went up to the guy and you said, hey, Bryce, and, and it turned out it wasn't Bryce Harper. The best. It no. <laughs> didn't happen. The best hair in baseball is Bo Bichette, and you know he he doesn't have a full blown beard. It's usually more like a stubble. He he can't but, grow a beard. He's like twenty years old. Oh, he's pretty stubbly. <laughs> it, it's fuller than I can at thirty six. So <laughs> say that for him. But his hair is is uh, yeah. It's it's well conditioned. It's well maintained. It's not like remember when Jacob Degrom came up and had long hair and it was right. just kind of. It was just kind of like a mess over his shoulders. <laughs> now, this, is, this is not Bo Bichette. Bichette is Hamels-esque. Yeah. Bichette, hair commercial-esque. Bichette yeah. has some some beautiful hair, for sure. Uh, this one's from Brooks. Should I drop Yasiel Puig or wait it out? We're all right dropping Puig, right, guys? Yeah. Um, bye. Yep. This one's from Jack. Yoshi Sutsugo's walk-up song should be Susudio by Phil Collins. Tsutsugio. I think that makes sense. <laughs> I think he might might piss him off a little bit. I'm not sure, but yeah. It I might already it's... be. I, I don't watch enough Tampa Bay Rays games, to be honest with you. It, it might already so be. So boring watching a game in that stadium. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, they basically it's have the poorly same. poorly lit. It's just ugly. I, I They have the same attendance stadium. now as they did like when fans were permitted, so it's not really dissimilar. Uh, here's the last one we'll answer. Who would you rather pick up, Kyle Lewis or Mike Yastrzemski? What do you think, Scott? Yaz, I'm a, I, Yaz was one of my sleepers coming into the season, and he has played every single game so far for a team that loves platoons. He was better against lefties than righties last year. He's batting leadoff. And like, he over twice yesterday, or yeah, what day was that? Wednesday, I should, I should clarify. Wednesday night. The, yeah. the walk-off uh, home run, his second of the game, came off a lefty, match Strom as well. Splash it? Yeah, better against lefties and righties, like I said. He walks a lot. Like, I, I think I think Yastrzemski might, might be a star, and just nobody knows it yet. You might be right about that. I'm, I'm kind of interested. He's out there in a few points leagues as well, so definitely a name to, uh, 
to look into right now. Scott is a Yaz man, which reminds me of the song Scat Man. You guys a fan? I'm the Yaz man. Scott's the Yaz man. Give me the dap 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 dap. All right, we're going to end the show. Yep, I gotcha. Oh, man. For Adam and Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.